Hey, 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 Paula. I'm I gonna want to marry you. Hey, hey, hey Paula. I want to marry you. I like you when you too. fling poo on me. <laughs> We've That's a different song. <laughs> Needle screech. <laughs> Hey there, welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits, coming to you from the Recycle Garage yes, yes. in Spring of Sprung, sunny Santa Cruz, California. Yes. It certainly felt like spring Love tonight. Lovely. Yeah. Hey everyone, this is Eliza, and I am running the board tonight Yes. because Stumpy John is sick. Why is the screen black? Get well soon. Yeah, get well soon. So I'm pulling double duty and trying to wrangle cats. So let's just quickly get to who's here in the room because I'm going to lose control really quickly. And Emma's going to drop it. On the classic girl couch, (laughs) opening up a bag of toys. It's Miss Emma. I'm Miss Emma, and I'm running my mouth tonight. (laughs) John Sick. (laughs) Aloha, darlings. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And over by the open window, ready to leap at any moment, it's Naked Jim. Yes, because I might burst into flames at yeah. any moment. You never and you're know. running your bowels tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Great to be fluid and to be here. And uh, in his in his garage, showing off his collection of two-wheeled It's things. red, and it's poking out behind him. <laughs> it's Bagel. <laughs> Greetings uh, from the shop with the Perla. From the what? The shop with the parallel right behind me. Behind with a, oh, with a parallel. Parallel. Yep. I'm like, is he saying a parallel? What's when y'all said like Doug, Dougie the Deeglove? Dougie Deeglove the other day from the German desert trip. It sounds like Dougie Deeglove. <laughs> yeah, it's it's circumcision in French. So spring <laughs> has sprung. I don't know about how it's up, how the weather is up there, but boy, it was a great weekend. How is it, bagel? Nice here How too. is it up there? Short, it's been nice. We sleeves. went out for uh, went up for a nice ride yesterday through uh, kind of the south part of Eugene and back up around my woods, uh, neck of the woods. And uh, yeah, beautiful day. Another beautiful day today. Uh, although today I had to cut the grass, so it's busy with that. But uh, then we're back to the cold and wet for another week or two at least. Nice. And I I, I went for a ride yesterday, and you know. A solo ride. A solo ride. And it was it was that ride where I was really aware and appreciating the kind of riding we have here. Where you know that we can leave, you know, this this garage here and within and minutes be in the Redwoods. Did you ride a motorcycle or the Nikon? <laughs> <laughs> the Nikon. So I went up nine, nice twisties through the Redwoods, just beautiful, it was warm out. And then I'm like, I'm done with twisties. So I just go over the mountain down to Highway 1, and now I'm on the open road with pastures and the ocean and doing 90, flying down the yeah. road. And <laughs> Emma is tattooing her breast. And, you know, we can do like a easy one-hour loop that has everything in yeah. it. Yeah, well, you can bite off as much as you want when you go up in the mountains because there's all these bailouts <laughs> either to the coast or over the hill into the Silicon Valley land. Yeah, so yeah, going up in the mountains offers pretty much whatever you want to bite off. That's exactly what I did. I was like, what am I in the mood for? Because I can be there I would say a minutes. lobster roll if I knew you. Well, no, I, but I did go get fish and chips. Uh, where'd you ride the food to? Uh, up Highway 1, that gas station with the brewer, brew pub oh, that next to it. Highway 1 brewery? 
Yeah, hi, everyone. Yeah. yeah. Okay, how was it? It was it was fine. I just Emma is up to no good over there. Fine. Is that a tattoo or a nicotine Emma, what, patch what do you, on your breast? What do you have? <laughs> it could be both. I thought they, <laughs> I thought this was something to eat and it's play doh. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't eaten play doh since I was a toddler. <sighs> so oh I'm hoping I can find something to eat. <laughs> we, when we were when we were kids, the word dildo came up and my friend younger, my friend's younger brother said What's a dildo? And we said Play-Doh when it gets old and hard. Pretty much. <laughs> oh, no. Pretty much. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> oh, that's just wrong on so many levels. Oh, God. So, yeah, um, lots well, of... Well, that's a cool ride, and it was warm. Lot, yeah, lots of bikes out. It was a beautiful weekend, But it's just warm like, you know, just... Really, just I was really just appreciating how fortunate we are for the terrain that we have, and not a lot of cars, and just really mm. enjoyed it. Um, but today, uh, a lot we had new pe- a lot of new people showing up to the garage. Yeah, we had a lot of gear donated. Yeah, there was and, it donated and immediately swooped up and by and that immediately. Dude? Oh yeah, we had some like brand new jackets, <clears throat> and then uh, Carla King. Brought yeah. her friend by. He's getting back into biking. He got um, those like arrow stitch pants. Arrow stitch pants that are brand new, uh, that are Gore Tex. A brand new, still with the, like the tag on it. Victory jacket. Yeah, it fit him great too. It's good looking oh, yeah. jacket, like all vented, kind of like synth, whatever synthetic. Gloves, yeah. boots, and a helmet. And he was stoked. And then we had another guy come by, Tom, and he was like, "Yeah, I was here two weeks ago. I got all this gear from you. Thanks." Because he just bought a bike. He bought um, Chris Casey's Triumph. Oh, okay. how funny. So the bike came to visit. So Chris sold the bike to a guy who didn't have gear. How so funny. Chris is like, turn down here. Go go down here. And he was stoked. That was a cool bike. And uh, and Chris is going to buy a concourse, actually, for <laughs> yeah. like the log in the long miles. And so he was doing uh, some work on it. And then another new guy, uh, Jesus, ah. came by Don't on his Jesus. FZ6R. <laughs> mm hmm. And to do an oil change. That oh, is that the, the guy with the fairings all yeah, off Yeah, got a the, little complicated. It seemed like he was deep into... What is that? It looks like a oh sex toy. What is in your mouth, woman? It went straight in the mouth. <laughs> she did not even read any labels. It has a, a belt clip. It has a belt clip on it, and it went in your mouth. It's I bet you it spins. <laughs> your mouth's going to go numb. Grape flavor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Jesus, and fortunately, because I was kind of tied up, uh, uh, John DRZ John was here, mm. and so I just immediately was like, John, point, help him. And, and John spent the entire day, and that's another thing I really appreciate about right. the people just come by just to like hang out, but also step up and help. Yeah, well, you know, helped him all day. Whenever anybody shows up for the first time, I always give them this, the same spiel and I say, Look, this is the recycle garage. I mean, money really has no value here, so turn out your pockets. So um, yeah, give me all your money, kid. Um, you're the value. So come by, hang out, help people out, you know, bring whatever with you. And, you know, John's a regular and he's, he's, yeah. a, he's a pretty quiet cat. Um, nothing like us. No, but I did notice he was here early when I, cause I was here early and then left. Yeah. He was here. And when I came back later in the day, just to kind of check in, he was here like knee deep helping that dude with his <laughs> bike. Know. So yeah, shout out to John. That was cool. And so, yeah, just, uh, you know, going for a ride. And the, and the uh, Trail 70, is that what it was? The the hipster 
dude this morning? Oh, Michael on yeah, his CT90. Who's a cool guy. Yeah. A yeah. Hip, hipster dude? Yeah. No, you know, Michael and Conrad. He's oh, yeah. yeah. He's riding yeah. around on a CT90. Yeah, he's too cool to be It's orange. <clears throat> oh, it's yeah. orange. Oh, really? One yeah. of them. It's beautiful. It, oh. I mean, it's, it's Berber. He wrote it's, it to uh, Boulder Creek, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that was the big trip. Cool. Anyway, it was cool, yeah. Uh, but it was, just, it was just a great day where I was really just appreciating the people that were able to help and the people who are helping people and like solid weekend. And it wasn't raining. But on top of that, I replaced fasteners and I believe Emma did too. Slightly different reason, but yes, we, we've, we've had a fastener replacing cornucopia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just feeling like I got to give my bikes a little extra love mm-hmm. and just uh, we've had a lot of rain, a lot of rain right. for us. And all my bikes are just starting to like just show signs well, of like rusting here and there. It's kind of like my pet gripe because, I mean, you'll even get a bike that's ostensibly good quality in terms of paint and chrome, like a Harley Davidson. Mm-hmm. And they just use the cheapest fasteners imaginable. And it's like you've got this grade eight nut and bolt, which is sort of ace hardware kind of standard and then somewhere at the factory somebody kind of decides to just dip it in a zinc tank for about 20 seconds just so it doesn't go rusty for about a week so the, is the upgrade going to stainless yes oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah so no matter what just if you're gonna upgrade go stainless yes yeah regardless of the yeah and i turn them at home on my lathe i've got my little so when you turn I'm, them do you take an existing bolt and shape it or do you start with a piece of like stock or something it depends what i want yes yes it depends what I want. If I'm doing um, like a hex, mm-hmm. I'll start from scratch. But if I'm doing like an Allen, I'll just buy a stock Allen. Okay. And then turn down the Allen. Because I, I put, I do this thing with Allens mm-hmm. that I kind of put like a curve on them. So you take the, the edges off. Of yeah. I, you know, I, I, I do take, the same thing with Ellens. Yeah. With Ellens. I've seen you do that because <laughs> you like taking the curve off them. Especially when there's two. <laughs> Speaking of that, where were we last night, Jim? Oh, where were we last night, Emma? We were at the Santa Cruz Performing Arts Center looking at Bordy Venus. Yes. <laughs> Bordy Venus Burlesque. Burlesque That's show. We we're and we're you about know, to take an exit off the... Oh, was Abraham Lincoln there? Yes. Of course, she opened the show. <laughs> yeah, of course. But, um, the Gettysburg Address, of course she but, was The there. Gettysburg yeah. Undress. Yes, Who exactly. performed at our <laughs> Numb Nuts Challenge. Right. And right. I mean, <laughs> the thing is... Um, you know, because I know that we have listeners to our show who are, who are probably a little more on the, uh, um, perhaps, you know, the, the conservative side when it comes to, to thinking about nudity. Um, but burlesque, it's, it's really a great American tradition, isn't it? It's been around for a long, long time. Yeah, I think it Well, I think probably since the beginning of time. Not yeah, probably- uh, I would say, yeah. Um, boys and girls seem to enjoy it equally. Um, and um, a lot of fun was had by all. I mean, the thing I enjoy the most about those shows, aside from the fact that you see a lot of skin, mm-hmm. um, there's all, they're always so much fun. There's always... You and me generally don't need that much provocation to laugh a lot, mm-hmm. but we are just howling at those shows. It's a lot of fun, and we've been going for a while, and Santa Cruz is kind of blessed with uh, this... This little burlesque community yes. that attracts this wonderful talent. And last night's show was produced by, well, we know lovely Rizza Rogue. 
my favorite. Yes, yes, was a, a big part of that. And I think Abraham Lincoln, also a big part of that. And <laughs> Valerie Vales, I know, came right. and she was down here for a little bit. But the talent that they drew, that was like, God, had to be a, like a dozen performers. Oh, absolutely. And every shape, size, color, genre every, of whatever. Everything. It was brilliant. Yeah. Yes. Good night. So, yeah. Motorcycles. Motorcycles. Yeah. Sorry. <clears throat> so, uh, <laughs> well, it's crossover culture, darling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're talking about fasteners and some. Oh, oh, yeah, nuts. That's how we from nuts. Um, yeah. So I've just been kind of like, it's it's kind of nice. It feels good to go through the bikes and well, just I'll kind s- of replace fasteners and clean it up and just look for all those little bits and bobs. There's a beauty to that, like uh, we're because we re- we painted the Ascot motor black a couple of weekends ago and got the bolt kit for it which is all stainless so and it really lifted it it'll it? just well i haven't put it in yet but i i so the ascot where it's at now is i put the engine in today it was just basically wheels oh, well in a frame. You. yeah so put the engine in this morning um i've got the electronics tray set in ready to go i've got the seat more or less sorted out how to go so now it's kind of putting the rest of it on there and starting it um but it's fun going through all the fasteners you know because uh because, A, there's so many of them. And especially on older bikes, you get to decide what to do with it. Clean up the existing fastener. Right. Go to something new. Um, but, like you said, you can make things sparkle and pop just with fasteners. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of my favorites. It's the subtlety. You have, like, a black engine mm-hmm. with all these lovely chrome or stainless steel fasteners holding it together. It's it's lovely look. It's, yes. It's kind of fantastic. And they're important. I yep. will say fasteners. Nuts and bolts are important. <laughs> yes, they we were, are. So a little top tip. We were riding in the desert, you know, whenever last trip. And I like to keep my levers a little bit loose in the concept that if you crash, it might move a little bit on the bars rather than break. So, of course, as I'm doing that, my clutch lever got rather loose because one of the bolts fell out. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, just be advised, if you keep your bolts a little loose on your levers... Loose as a caboose, in fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of nuts and bolts, mm. <clears throat> that brings me to um, a little bit of an announcement. Oh. Uh, that Bagel doesn't know the full announcement here. Anyway. Um, it's going to rock your world, <clears throat> Bagel. Oh, really? Oh, uh, really? Well, he, yeah, he knows some of it, not what. The U.S. is going to metric. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So, speaking of nuts <laughs> and bolts. <clears throat> Oh. Uh, for 17 years, I've been in the nuts and bolts industry. Nuts to butts? And nuts uh, nuts. this is my last week at my job. Hooray. I am wow. moving on to new adventures. Um, but because of that, I've decided that I need to take a couple months and travel. Get get my all these trips brap, in. Brap. <clears throat> so the Chickastan trip that was scheduled for September... I am actually having to pull out of that because I won't be able to commit to something like that. But instead, I'm looking at joining John on the Stumpa Stand trip. That's big. <clears throat> oh, nice. That'd be fun. But I just looked at the calendar and realized that there might be an issue. With? So, so, uh, so here's the thing. I'm, I'm thinking of going on it, but I've been talking to all of y'all individually because – to take, um, you know, I'm going to Peru and then to go to that on that trip. And then with John going too, it's like, well, that's kind of a big ask of everyone to 
step up and run the garage and the podcast and everything. So still trying to see if it's possible. But I thought, you know what, if I'm going with John, like, who wants to come? Like, like, that's gonna be fun. This and this bite might be my last trip to Pakistan. So I'm putting that out there if people are interested. Um, that is, um, it's actually May 30th to June 12th. I thought it was a week earlier, but okay. May 30th is June 12th, which means coming up, I would miss the quail. Oh, which is unfortunate. Emma and I won't. Yeah, but you guys. Well, I mean, I, I, I do my tent at the quail, but mm-hmm. that um, that doesn't mean I can't be roaming. Around I do it with you. in your tent. At the I, I know you do it in my tent, and I will be thrilled uh, to announce that um, the Moto Town tent, the Moto Town slash Law Tigers tent and distillery and distillery um, will be at the quail for 2024 and serving free gin and tonics, just mm-hmm. like last year. Mm-hmm. Tell uh, everyone where the quail. So the Quail is um, at the Quail Golf Club in um, Carmel Valley, California. It's the Posho event. Mm -hmm. You know, most everybody who knows classic cars knows about the Pebble Beach Concord Elegance. Elegance, yes. This is our Pebble Beach. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's a spectacle. I mean, I I go backwards and forwards with it. I mean, it's, it's basically a gathering... Uh, of unashamed poshos who like motorbikes. And there's a place for it. Mm -hmm. Is it mainstream? No. Is it kind of everyday commute bike? No. Is it custom bike? Well, no. Is it very high-end restorations? Yes. Is it in our backyard? Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> which is a big plus. Um, but can I say the thing that I really enjoy about it? We go to a lot of bike shows, even if you talk about, um, you know, even going to like the one show or something, right? You have all these bikes on display. It's oftentimes hard to find the person who built the bike to talk to them about it. Right. At the Quail, all those people are usually sitting in lawn chairs nearby. It's like, it's a very um, open to like, Everyone wants to talk. Accessible. It's very accessible. Yeah. And that's what I love. The people that restored or that raced that bike or whatever, like you well, can g- go up and talk to them. A couple of like highlights. I haven't even thought about it for a while, but probably what comes to mind for me was when we talked to Mert Lawwell. Yeah. So Mert, obviously on any Sunday flat track rock and roller. So he had a little, a little booth there and it's not big. It's the size of maybe a foot, a couple of football fields at most. And he was talking about his prosthetic limbs. Like Mert Wall yeah, yeah. makes prosthetic limbs, but we got to hang and chat with him for gosh, at least half an hour about what he was doing with prosthetic limbs and motorcycling and, you know, a little bit about the motorcycle stuff, but it was something just off the wall. Yeah. But it's that intimate spa where you can do that or you can offend yeah. Keanu Reeves. So, also. <laughs> so anyway, um, Hey, Ooh, watch out for that. Was, was that a cat? <laughs> if, if anyone is interested in, in joining um, me and John in Pakistan, uh, go to a different agenda.com. The trip is Land of the Giants. Um, what do you what do you think the down and dirty total cost for that is? Paying paying for the trip and then your your cost getting there, so whatever it might be. Just what's the bottom the trip line? is forty two hundred. You can get a plane ticket for a thousand. And now that I don't have a job, it's like six grand or so. What I'm going to do for no additional cost, I'm going to add a, now like a oh. two day layover in Dubai. 
and go play in Dubai. Oh, nice. No additional cost because if you fly Emirates, it stops in Dubai anyway. Oh, that's great. So you just do a two-day layover and go play. So um, go skiing. <clears throat> you can at the mall. <laughs> go skiing at the I mall. know. Anyway. You have a slave for a couple so, of days probably. I'm throwing that out there if anyone is interested. Men, women, anybody, come join us. You don't have to be stumpy. You don't have to what be about stumpy? a visa? How do you, how's your time? I, I help everyone that? through that. Is there still enough time and all that? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They put it all online. It takes a couple weeks now. Oh, okay. Most of us get it within a few days. Mm. Uh, every now and then there's someone who takes a couple weeks. But then Moyne makes a phone call and, you know, things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I'm going to go to Pakistan. Bagel, cool. you want to come? Uh, I'm very tempted. I really would like to go again. Just quit your job. Uh, very again, very tempted, <laughs> but I like my paycheck. <laughs> I'm right there with you. And Bagel, really, the, the little Hondas that we ride are halfway between a scooter and our big bike, so it's the right. perfect compromise. Uh, yeah, not, fa- not not very far from a, a C70 passport. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Mm-hmm. Um, Bagel, come with us. That would be great. So very yeah, I'm looking to doing that. Um, oh, and then our rally's coming up. We still got some spots for that. If you're interested in coming to our rally. Uh, that is going to be oh, so much going on. That one is um, April 18th through 21st. And I want to make something clear to everyone listening that we have a lot going on in 2024. Liza's going to be away. John's going to be away. I'm um, starting a band. I'm going to be away. <laughs> Jim's going to be away. It's called New anyway, Whale Stop. We're <laughs> absolutely committed to putting this, making sure that you have a podcast to listen to every week. So we were discussing how we were going to move forward from this. So probably when you and John are away, we'll pre-record a couple of episodes. Yeah, we have we have different options. Yeah, so we've got lots of options, but there is, I absolutely promise everyone, there will be a podcast every Monday morning for you to, your, for your morning commute. I wish there was a way we could get a group of us to ride together and record our riding conversation. That would be a podcast while we ride. There. If you get Senna's, you can do that. That would be quite cool, actually, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, oh, Jim, you did miss something fun today. Mm. So um, in the garage, you know, I have the TV, and I usually just put something on. Mm -hmm. Well, I put on, um, it was a video on YouTube called... uh, I saw Flat Flat Out Friday. Flat Out Friday, I saw that on there, Danger Dan was on there. Oh, was it okay? But there was a point where I went in to go get... Was it the mini bike one? Well, there was a point I went in to go get a tool, and I looked up this, because it goes for hours, right? And I'm like... Emma, get in here! It was the kids racing on PW50s. Oh, on that concrete track? On that concrete track. Oh, yeah. Track. Shit, like that short little Let me tell you, nasty there track. is nothing more entertaining. Oh, that sounds awesome. Than children on PW50s. Oh, yeah. Ripping around. Wow. Because, and the, you get like, some of the kids are still cautious and going really slow, and they got their little foot out for balance. And then you, and got, then you get some kid who looks. Who has a mohawk. Yeah, the kid with the mohawk. Who looks like he's pro, he has a mohawk on his helmet. <laughs> ripping. And then every now and then you get the carnage, and this kid crashes, and he's trying to pick up the bike, and he's ha- having trouble picking I'm like, it's a BW50, but it's a yeah. big bike to him. Yeah, the tiny children. <laughs> They're tiny they children. The <laughs> and it was just so exciting to watch. I didn't know that kids uh, do that, but they had the flat out, because that's what's the whole uh, show going on right now out there? That Mama Tried. Mama Tried. That's what it is. Part of that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Can we do that? Can we get a group of children on little bikes and just... Mm. Do we know that many? Well, I saw Knock. Knock had a a roller derby (laughs) little kid on a little girl on a bike today. 
I, ra- we, I was here on Saturday yeah, picking up a gas Sully tank. Right I saw him. Yeah. Riding around on the little bikes. What's her What's her name, Spirit? Sully. Sully. No, no, Sully. I know her name. She has a roller derby name. It's on her bike. Oh. Like oh. Night Spirit or something. Anyway, it's a roller derby name. Oh. Cool. Yeah, it is cool. She has a little... Those bikes are wicked, like little supermoto flat tracky things. Well, let me tell you something. So he's got my not got two of these bikes. One, what, do you know what they are? They're they're, they're electric, electric yeah. bikes that you have to kind of build out and assemble. But Emma, you know how Sullivan's bike goes quite slow. Yes, and Knox bike will do like sixty miles per hour. Yes. How do you think he got more juice mm. out of that? Well. You know, it's 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 electricity, so it's magic. There's 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 ways sorcery. They look yeah, they is, look it, the same, but no, it's, 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 no, they're very different. It's really cool how you can um, control Modify. how much power is right. coming out of that, which brings us to our topic tonight. Ha ha! Because it is quite common that. Uh, people get a bike new to them, n- n- just a new bike, whatever, and and right away, what do they want to do? They want to get more power out of it. They want to start making changes. Jim, if you were to guess, what are the first three things somebody might do to get more power out of their bike? I would say make it sound louder. <laughs> put on a motor or put on a Miss Emma sticker. That's good and for ten horsepower. Yes, yes, and I would say change the blinker fluid. Those are my three. One, two, three. Yeah, You've got it. Is. Um, exhaust is number one. No, well, I think it's all about air and fuel. But so. you know what? Here's the thing, and this is kind of what got me on in this topic. Exhaust used to be the first thing anybody did. And a lot of people would get bikes. I remember like CB750s, just people like, yeah, I cut out the baffles, you know, because like, yeah, makes it faster. But not, yeah. but not anymore. That's not always the rule, but it used to be. Or even back in the day, I got a set of Kirkers. Right. That was like the thing, right? I remember right. first thing you do for your like GPZ, I got Kirkers and foam grips for that. You know, it's like those things of the 80s. Um, And so I was like, you know what? That's not always the rule anymore. But another thing, too, that's I had me thinking is when years ago I used to manage an online store that sold parts specifically for the Yamaha Starline, but Mm. but for all the other, but specialized in metric cruisers. Mm -hmm. Because not a lot of people were selling all the parts for metric cruisers. And we specialized in that. I was always amazed at, you know, the, the hypercharger air kit that people buy. And then for your like Roadstar warrior, you could get the titanium push rods and you could get the lifters and you can get the Venturi, like endless amount of things that people will buy to make it faster. Now with Harley's, What's the first? What are the things people buy, Emma? Um, anything uh, with screaming eagle on it. A Pikachu, apparently. Right, and you know Harley got themselves into a lot, of, a lot of trouble um, last few years with the screaming eagle stuff, particularly the exhaust. Sure. Because of course, you know, you could buy, you could buy a Harley, and you know, stock. They're just about legal, you know. Um, 
Um, you know, yeah, they've been uh, coming down on the whole emissions. And, you know, you could buy a Screaming Eagle exhaust system for it um, and, you know, just break any decibel meter that you put near it. So, um, yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk about getting more power because I put it into three categories, basically. There are the things you could do that you're getting bang for your buck that will definitely increase power if that is your goal. Then the next level down is there are things that you can do that may not really be worth it for how much gain you get from it, right? Mm -hmm. And then there are things that you do that you think maybe you're increasing power when in fact you may be decreasing it. Gotcha. So if I throw out an an obvious one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) An obvious one to start with is let's say you open up the air box. So you allow more air to come in through the air filter. Is that myth or fact or myth? It's part of a complete package, and you better know what you're doing. So I would say it's air and then fuel and then from Wait, there. Okay, drill, so the, drill the jets out. Right. Well, well, and then it's probably carburetion <laughs> versus fuel injection. They, they, so let's Liza, talk. I made you a horsey. Oh, thank it's you. A seahorse. So I guess we'll talk in terms of carburetion for the moment. Right. So we have already established many times in the past that there is a magic air-fuel ratio. Bagel's yawning. Am I boring you, Bagel? Mm. No, no. And no, I'm saying it didn't sleep enough. Before we go on, I do want to... A night shagging, no throw doubt. Me, Emma, throw of me course. something. I do want to set the parameters <laughs> of what we're discussing, um, and that is that we're taking off race prep off the list. Because in that case, a lot of these right. small little things are worth it. So would that if you're, be like polishing a camshaft or something? Right, 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 right. Okay. So we're, we're taking off race prep. Okay. We're talking about street bikes. Street bikes. So um, And scooters. Like so let's get back bunny. to basics. Yeah. So there's this magic formula for air and fuel. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, there's slight differences to depending on a variety of factors. But it's basically you need... 16.5 parts air to one part fuel. And you mix them together and get this fuel vapor, and it's very, very volatile. Now, when you start monkeying around with that ratio, which could mean putting a big hole in the top of the air box, yes, or drilling out the jets, I like, which is I like send it the other way. to one. Oh, God. <laughs> big good way to seize your engine. You start changing that magic ratio because your engine is only capable of sucking in x amount of material because of the whole sizes basically. right yeah. basically because of the size of the intake because of the swapped volume in the cylinder and tra la 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 and if you change the amount of air in relation to the amount of fuel because the carburetor if you leave the carburetor stock you do nothing to the carburetor. And we're going to come to fuel injection in a minute and put a big old hole in the top of the airbox. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, the airbox has more ability to suck in fuel because the designers realized there was a restriction in the airbox and compensated with the carb settings for that restriction. You've taken that restriction away. So now well, you want to, you want to keep stuff out of the airbox, right? So right. You want, yeah. Exactly. So now your bike's inclination is to run lean. 
So he's like, okay, I can I can cure this. I can put a larger main jet in it. Pod, pod filters, a common uh, thing people used to do, right? Now, pod filters, pod filters can work quite well. But again, you need to know what you're doing. If you put a pod filter on a bike with a CV carb, a constant vacuum carburetor, it's never going to be as effective as the stock airbox because of the way CV uh, carbs work. They need a certain amount of restriction in the airbox, basically to slow down the slides. Because when you whack open the throttle, you've got no mechanical control over the slides in the CV carb. You have mechanical control over a butterfly at the very, very entrance to the carb. And then the butterfly opens, and then the vacuum contained within the Venturi, its natural inclination is to cause the slide to rise. But you need to slow that down, because otherwise, if you don't, you even small amount of slides whack open and the carbs run lean. Um, now, in the old days, Britain used to do it um, on some SUs that were fitted to bikes, and SUs were fitted to a, a lot of cars as well. And they actually would have oil in the top of the carburetor in what was called the dash pot um, to slow down that carburetor rising. Because if you didn't, it would whack up far too quickly, cause your bike to run lean. These days, Cahin and Mikuni on their CV carbs, they don't use oil. So they require that, that slight restriction in the airbox. So... Um, don't just drill a big hole in your airbox for no reason, Jim. So, but does that add horsepower? No, not not by itself at all. No. So what that, if we add so more that air would, and, would, and more fuel. Well, hold on. And, what, what I'm going to say. So we're going to put. If you're doing one of those things by itself, so can we agree? You have to get air in faster, get air out faster, and a, either remap or rejet. It's a whole package, right? It's a whole. And if you do any one of those without the right. others, you may be reducing. Making it worse. The, you are worse. making a yes. sandwich without the bread or without the butter or without the ham. You need to do all three to make a sandwich. You need bread and butter and ham. If you, if you lose one of them, it's not a sandwich anymore. So that's the way I want you to think about tuning a bike. You need to do the complete thing. So, there for for a lot of people who yeah I'm going to put on new new exhaust. It's all three, or you can make it worse. So how about another like myth or whatever we're doing? Yes, um, just slapping on an FMF exhaust. Like I'm going to put on an FMF exhaust. I'm going to lose a couple of pounds. Going to get more horsepower. Okay, so let's approach that dirt, dirt bikey. Right. Let's, so let's talk about dirt bikes. Dirt bikes are a slightly different thing. Um, um, dirt bikes, by their nature, are competition bikes when they leave the factory. Mm. So they're in a fairly high state of tune. Now, companies like FMF have done very, very well by manufacturing exhaust systems that don't necessarily give you more power, but change when the power comes in. Oh, okay. And it can move the power around. If you have a larger um, header pipe, it can actually give you better low-down power. Mm. Conversely, if you have a longer, thinner head pipe with um, 
muffling silencing at the back, it can actually move that power band towards the higher end. Mm -hmm. So um, you don't necessarily get more power, but you can move the power around to somewhere for your particular riding style or the track you're on. So like on my Honda 450RL, if I were to do like you had mentioned and moved it forward... Well, uh, hang on. Now, your 450L is one of the current breed of dirt bikes, okay. and they're a little harder to modify mm. because what you've, what you've got is you've got a fuel-injected dirt bike with a Lambda sensor in it, and the Lambda sensor reads the air-fuel mixture and compensates the, the mix provided within the fuel injection circuitry mm -hmm. to compensate for that. It's a, the good news for you, it's a lot more reliable. It's a lot cleaner. Mm -hmm. From an environmental standpoint, it's a lot better. It's very reliable. But the downside is they are harder to tune. Now, there's going to be a lot of people who are listening to the show, oh, but mapping, 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 mapping. Mm -hmm. And... Mapping, once again, can change the power characteristics. There's no map that can necessarily arbitrarily give you more power. Okay. So it's just, it's, it's how it delivers that power. It's how it delivers that power. So can we talk a little bit about like what mapping is exactly? Like, so from a stock, from a stock bike to a dirt bike, pick your brand, whatever, okay. to, to changing out the exhaust, changing the mapping and all that. Right. So. Basically, all mapping is, the easiest way to describe mapping is we've already established at the beginning of the show that there's this optimum air-fuel ratio. There are going to be times when you deviate from that. And there are... Like down to 15 or up to 17. Hi, right. Katie. And that may be... Because you're running very, very low speed with a high throttle opening, maybe going up a steep incline. It may be that you're running flat out with a small throttle opening, say in a desert stage. And you're going to deviate away from that 16 and a half to one because of what's going on within the, the um terrain outside and the way you're actually operating the throttle okay so mapping is basically correcting that hmm, and okay. so you the the idea is to get the optimum air fuel combustible mixture at any particular throttle opening and you can get mapping that does a better job at the high end you can okay. get mapping that does a better job at the low end okay but once again it's not necessarily giving you more power it's moving things around can anybody do re remapping do you see like a power commander what, the, what is those little little boxes okay so shit yeah. that you see so, it's all magic to me i don't know so um back in the um early 1980s um, Dynajet came along and they'd been around for a while already uh -huh. um, and they came out with jet kits <clears throat> yeah. and the idea was that you could take um, a stock CB750 Suzuki GS1000 KZ1000 whatever um, take the exhaust off take the airbox off and they would provide you with a kit that theoretically you could bolt in and it would it would correct the lean condition caused by 
putting a less restrictive exhaust, and we're going to come to why exhaust are restrictive in a minute, um, and less restrictive airbox. And they did very, very well with them because back in the early <laughs> 70s, 80s, you know, modifying your bike was the name of the game. Nobody wants stock pipes on a bike. I mean, I actually cringe to think of how many priceless sets of GS1000 mm-hmm. exhaust systems or KZ1000 Mark one or mark two after the system went to the junkie yeah. because nobody wanted them and now of course we're restoring these bikes and they're just priceless i mean if i had a a, a brand new stock exhaust system for a kz 1000 mark two i could I'd probably ask two or three grand for it wow because nobody's got they're them. not out there yeah yeah but in general like if I wanted to modify my um, Nikon, right? Yeah. Because I've, I've actually never done it. But I think I have an understanding. You have a cable and a port. You plug in your computer and you have to have the software. Right. And you then have the you're software. able to pick different maps that have already been created. Right. It's not like you have to do some math or anything. And, you know, there's, there's performance yeah. mapping and there's mapping for different countries. Now, hmm. Triumph are notorious for having a different map for, they have a different map for USA, they have a different map for Japan, different map for the UK, and so on and so forth. And everyone said, well, oh, no. So, the, obviously, the, uh, the, the American bikes or the Japanese bikes might le- make less power. And that's not entirely true. There's a variety of, of reasons why there's different maps. There might be different ign- emission requirements. I mean, Euro 5 emissions are really taking a huge, making a huge impact on all um, infernal combustion vehicles. So that's a question that it's one of the things that I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, I don't get this as much. Right. So, sorry, Bagel and Jim, but to me, this is kind of like it's a guy thing, right? Want to create more power. I, I don't get it as much. However, one of the things that baffles me is that how many people will buy, say, a brand new Harley Davidson. Right. And before it leaves the shop, they're they're saying, oh, put on this, you know, you got you can get a Screaming Eagle, you can get a Stage 1, ah, a Stage but- 2, a Stage 3, a Stage 4. I want new this, I want new that, I want all the things done. And they even say, if you go to Harley Davidson site, if you want to have the power to pass cars, you want to do this. Why aren't they just making the bike from the factory able to do these things well you're you're getting things a little bit mixed up you're you're mixing up power with individuality Mm -hmm. and what harley davidson have done very very effectively over many many years you know it's the american freedom machine and it's your uh, right to be individual so the crime to a lot of people who ride harleys is to have the same bike as everybody else that's a good thing because, you know, everybody wants a custom bike. Everybody wants a bike that really reflects who they are. And Harley-Davidson are going to give you the tools to do that, whether you want it to make a certain noise or do a certain thing or, do, you know. But the point I'm trying to get to here, a lot of the performance upgrades that are sold, and it's not just a Harley thing, it's it, it applies just as much to European bikes. Mm-hmm. A great many of the performance things are perceived performance. Mm-hmm. They're going to make your bike feel 
faster. Ah. Wasn't that one of your categories? Well, yes. And actually, I can relate to this strongly, as I think many people can, because when I was in kindergarten, I remember we went and bought new, I got new sneakers. They were mustard colored with Winnie the Pooh. Did you it. run quicker? And I remember going to school and like, look how fast I can run now. Right? And right. it's like, I can run so fast now in these Winnie Pooh sneakers. Oh, yeah, you gotta run around. And I, it's, that's carried with me in the amount of things that people do. Like you said, putting a sticker on your bike mm-hmm. can make it faster. Well, a lot of things might be perceived. I mean, so, Emma, things like additives, fuel additives, okay. are they perceived? So a lot of the manufacturers will say, you know, put this additive in your fuel and you will get 10% better mileage. And you may, but that's only half the story. Mm. So if if your bike or your car has been sitting around all winter and it's got some nasty-ass fuel with deposits in it, and it's not running particularly well on that fuel, and you put fuel with an octane booster in it to really make the fuel behave like it was when it was new, you're probably going to get at least 10% more power. Oh, same thing. I'm going up to the the racetrack where they have the the race fuel pump yes i remember like i'm like what get the race fuel we put race fuel power and it's like more power did i really have more power your bike is it perceived it's a lot of it's perceived so um the octane in fuel is the fuel's ability to combust without pre-ignition and the higher the octane of a fuel, and race fuel tends to be 100 plus octane, is the higher combustion change of temperatures it can stand without pre-ignition. You may actually end up with a little more power with that. because okay, so, so it's not it's, just perceived. It's not just perceived, but your bike is actually going to be able to complete a combustion cycle without pre-ignition. And without you hearing that nasty baby's rattle in the engine when you roll the power on, particularly when it's very, very hot. Okay, I think I'm getting a better picture here. Tell me if this is correct. We're establishing that there are many things you can do. Putting in different gas, uh, putting in more airflow, remapping, all these things. But I'm guessing that all these things come with a price, not just the price to purchase. Because why wouldn't the bike be manufactured to run as best as it can? I'm guessing because longevity, stability comes into play here too, Well, they kind of do. So um, here in America, um, we go down the dealership with our hard-earned money and we buy a brand new bike. And yes, yeah, I I know. Jim's waving a knife at me. I was quite unnerved by that, actually. (laughs) (laughs) But you you place your hard-earned money um, down on a bike. And you want it to be reliable. I mean, you know, yes, you get a warranty on on the bike, but you don't want it to break down as soon as you leave the showroom. I mean, that's no fun, whether it's got a warranty or not. And the manufacturer really... If they can get out of honoring that warranty... They will. And before you think, oh, that sounds hokey, if they make a product of a certain quality, 
they're not going to need to honour the warranty because the thing's going to actually last for one year, two years, however mm-hmm. long the warranty is. So it's good for you as a consumer and good for them as a manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Now, so not longevity is one. And then... I guess also meeting, as you said. Meeting emissions standards. I mean, emission standards are pretty tough here in America. They're very, very tough in Europe. Um, You know, when you get out to uh, Pakistan, Vietnam, a little less stringent, but they're still coming. They're still coming. There are still emission standards to me. There are and, no emission standards in Pakistan. Well, <laughs> I, I, can, you can I know burn this your garbage. Because for two weeks after you return, you're sneezing black goo. <laughs> oh, God. So I, and that's yeah. a very, very valid yeah, yeah, point yeah. because I know okay. that, you know, a lot of people are grumbling right now. And, oh, back in the old days, you know, we could have full power bikes and full power cars. And that is true. But I also remember, I vividly remember having a conversation with a very dear friend of mine, John was a pilot, and John flew 747s. And um, he was on the transatlantic run, and he said, you know, you could, you always knew when you were heading towards L.A. You didn't even need to look at, look uh, at your yeah. compass because you could see a brown bubble yeah. Yeah. from the smog. It was a brown bubble reaching up into the stratosphere. You could see it from, mm. like, 100 miles away. From Phoenix. You just... Point towards the bubble, mm-hmm. and you end up in LA airspace. Mm-hmm. And we want to try and get away from that if we can. True, yeah. Um, because you know what? I'm getting old, I'm getting a bit wheezy <coughs> now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing I've noticed certainly in the past five years, I've always worn glasses and I've always favored an open face helmet. And in the past, my eyes would be just burning, and it was always a constant problem. And the last few years, I've noticed my eyes don't burn anymore. Mm. So, you know, things are getting better. Mm -hmm. So would you say that, uh, as we established, one of the most common, the basic things you do would be air in, air out, rejetting or remapping. Would you say that that is generally worth it if you're trying to increase the power of your motorcycle? Absolutely not. No. No, it it just changes the way the power is delivered to your motorcycle. Right, and... I mean, you're talking... Oh, I have a question. (laughs) Unless your bike is extremely inefficient, I mean extremely inefficient, and what I'm basing this on, I want to make it clear, is bikes that were running reasonably well on stock equipment. So your bike is completely stock and it's running pretty well. That's what I'm basing this argument on. In order to get a power delivery that is really satisfying that you can really feel Mm -hmm. really feel in the seat of your pants that's big box well but that's that's the top of the the tree of for getting bang for your buck would be those three things right right and i mean you're gonna well again again, not for more horsepower yeah but it's gonna be satisfying because in number one it's gonna feel perceived yeah. power perceived power perceived power is going to be increased mm-hmm. you may have got a map in it or a tune on your carburetor where it gives you more power where you need where you it. Want it yeah where you feel it so i can have a question so your triumph lies was that 900 
Uh, yeah. Eight hundred and sixty-five. And how yeah. much horsepower does I guess BHP? How much does it make? Sixty. And what if we wanted to get it to seventy-two? Ooh. How would we get your Triumph from sixty to seventy-two? Is it even possible? Oh yeah. So well, how would we accomplish you, that? I mean, you can get a hundred horsepower. No, I'm kind of curious. So well, how, like, hold on, hold on. The, what we just discussed, that's the or question, or is how do you get the horse more power? Big bore kit. Well, right. no, because that's a race mod. That's not a race mod. So I want to. I'm curious. That so is how, not a race how mod. do we take her bike or whatever bike, and th- how do you make simply make it make more horsepower? You can't. Okay, so it's all. I hate expensive. to shoot it. If you wanted to get that Triumph from 60 horsepower to 72, it's all race shit. Kind of big bore kit. Okay, cams, porting. Okay, exhaust, carburation. <clears throat> You know, all the so things. all of that. And There's no magic. It's hard to actually pinpoint down and say, oh, you could just do that and get that. It's mm. almost a complete package. If Liza was to come to me and say, look, I've got 60 horsepower, I want 72. Probably what I would do to get that 12 horsepower is I'd skim the head get the compression ratio up so i had a question about like what role does comp- could that be an inexpensive cams, thing? and then put, cam, put cams in it but i'd have to be very very careful with the cams because now your clearance from valve to piston you need to be very very careful especially and if you, you might, skim the head you might need to machine the piston to make clearance right exactly is, is there a direct correlation to compression and horsepower there can be okay. yes um that said, there's a you know there's a sweetness to low compression engines that I very much enjoy. You know, did you just did you make a play doh dick? It's called a dildo. It's a little dry. <laughs> Check it out. It's well formed. <laughs> it's the color that's putting me off. It's bright yellow. Like you see, I can't. Poo. It is like baby poo. You're yello. step in it if I, you're not careful. I made a horsey and you made a dildo. Motorcycle. Both of which you can ride. So I'm bring it back. Yeah, we bring it back. <laughs> So, um, compression ratio. Way back when, I've always prided myself in building nice engines. I mean, if you ever ask me who I am and what I do, I see myself as an engine builder, and I know how the rest of the bike works. But at heart, I'm an engine builder, and I do like building big horsepower engines. You know, it's very, very satisfying for me to do, especially ones that don't blow up on the corkscrew. Um <laughs> But, you know, my clientele is aging out now. And the biggest problem when you're building British engines with high horsepower <coughs> is getting the, the, the fucking thing started mm. because you need to you need to swing a kickstart. <coughs> and I've started... I've got various tools at my disposal to try and get these things started, the most notable of which is a Triumph T160 Kickstarter. And the good thing about a T160 Kickstarter... It's the longest kickstart ever put on a British bike. The thing's enormous. It's like about 18 inches long. And the whole thing swings out. Made out of old bayonets. Right, exactly. So you get a really, really good purchase on it. Um, And I actually, I supplied a beautiful vintage Triumph to a client. Um, Very good shaped guy, but he was, he's 72. Mm. And he said, look, I'm having a little trouble starting this. And I said, well, before we start going bananas and trying to f- figure things out, let's just try you with a longer kickstart. So I put him 
my second best kickstart, which is off a 150 Trident, mm. which is a tiny bit shorter, but just swings out at the top. And it was perfect for him. He's like, this oh, is great. Really? And he said, you know, when, when, when I struggle with this one, then maybe we can go with the T161. Then, you know, we can go with the electric start. But anyway, I've digressed. To me, building a big horsepower engine was always <clears throat> cams, high compression, tra-la-la-la-la-la-la. And it makes for a very, very um, uncompromising engine. Power's always at the top. You always need to put premium fuel in it because when you're running a high compression ratio, you're dealing with very, very high combustion chamber temperatures. So you need a good 100-octane fuel for them to actually run correctly. Otherwise, they're going to ping like crazy. Otherwise, when the when the the aerosol, aerosolized gas goes into the the cylinder, it ignites before it, the spark. Before the spark, gotcha. because it becomes so unstable because of the shift. And that's forces. the high octane rating. That and high octane yeah. actually helps with that. Now, ironically, that's why there's so much ethanol in fuel right now because the actual. Um, Petroleum content in fuel is terrible right now. And if you were to take away the ethanol, it'd, it'd be pre-ignition all over the place. But the ethanol actually helps the, get the octane rating up so it doesn't suffer from pre-ignition. Mm. It's just all the other shit we have to put up with because of, because of ethanol. All the sugars and the breaking down. and <laughs> So anyway... Um, so lately, for a lot of my even older clients, I've been building these lovely low-compression engines. Because a British bike normally has like 9-to-1 compression. We've been building 7-to-1 compression um, engines with these lovely fat cams in them. And they sound so meaty. They've got this really nice mellow sound to them. And this child's play. A child could start them. Um so there's a lot to be said for a lower compression engine, but from a power standpoint, it's not good. You need a higher compression. You need to be. You really need for what you'd call a performance engine. So okay, so you need to start at nine and just go up from there, so nine to one. Now I'm curious. So how do you? You know, I hear these terms like porting and stuff like that. So how do you increase compression? How do you do that? And what is porting? Well, the easiest way to increase compression is. Compression is if you measure, if you put the piston at the very, very bottom of its travel and you imagine the cylinder and the space in the cylinder head as a chamber and you fill that up with, with liquid and then you measure that amount of liquid and let's say it's 900 cc's, all right? Now... You put the piston at the very, very top of its stroke, and then you fill that tiny area that is remaining with liquid, and then you measure that amount of liquid, and it's 100 cc's. Your compression ratio will be 9 to 1. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. Now, the easiest way to get the compression ratio up is to skim the head, take material off the gasket surface a of bagel the head saying, huh? to bring it closer to the piston. Now, the problem with that is we have valves that open and close. Now, of course, on the compression stroke, it really doesn't matter. But on 
the exhaust stroke, when the piston gets to the top, the exhaust valve is just about closing, but it's still a little bit open. And the intake valve is just beginning to open getting ready for when the piston changes direction goes down and it's fully open for the intake charge. So that's when you might get piston and valves going. So is that when you have to do something with a cam? Well, this is when you get new cams, right? The lobe is... This is where the magic happens. No, so what the magic is with that, no, you don't want to take... You don't want to change the cams because you want a nice lumpy cam because the cam is what actually actually opens the valve. Mm -hmm. And the theory being that the greater you can open the valve, the more charge you're going to get in there. And the more charge you're going to get in there the better your bike's going to run. So what you might do in that case is if if the the if the um, valves and the top of the piston are doing the lover's kiss, you just relieve a small amount of metal out of the top of the piston just where the valve goes. Oh, just like a little circle kind of thing? Like a well, little, if you look whatever at the, the shape of the valve is? And all pistons in four strokes have got them. You look at the top of a four-stroke piston. Yeah, a, you know exactly where the valves are going to go. Because you can, yeah, yeah. because yeah. they're the right, shape. Right, right, right. So yeah, you just it. take yeah. out a small amount of material. You only want to go a small amount. Because if you take out a lot, you've just defeated the object of upping the compression ratio. So it's, it's, it's a combination of everything. A good analogy would be um, somebody saying, oh, I want to get fit. Okay, great. I want to get fit. So they buy some dumbbells and they just start working out their right arm. Mm -hmm. Now, they might burn calories and they might lose a bit of weight, but they're going to end up looking pretty odd because the whole body is going to be flabby and they're going to have a big, big right arm. And so it is with performance. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay, yeah, sure. You know, you really want to approach it as a complete package. But we really haven't got to the the main event yet. And you haven't kind of... I was hoping you'd kind of fall into the trap of saying, define me the difference between going fast and high horsepower. Because the two were very different. Well, that came up in the garage earlier. We were talking about that. Does more horsepower mean more speed? I'm like, not necessarily. No. Because you can change your speed just by changing sprockets. Can I go back to just one other thing before we leave this kind of the technical part? Because that's the whole other thing is what is porting? Okay. So porting. So if you think about your engine, think about your engine. It's basically an air pump. Air fuel mixture comes in one end. Exhaust comes out the other end. And the theoretically, the quicker you can get it in, the quicker you can get it out, the better it is for everyone concerned. And the bike's going to have more power. So, the carburetor sits behind, or in one or two cases, but most bikes, it sits behind the engine. And the charge from the carburetor, which is 16 and a half parts air to one part fuel goes through the carburetor and into the intake port mm-hmm. now there is a there's a few schools of thought about this and I'm kind of old school to me I want that charge to get 
into the combustion chamber as smoothly and as painlessly as possible. Mm -hmm. So I've done this for Charlie in the past, is you um, make the inside of the intake port a mirror finish. So there's no nooks and crannies for the air-fuel mixture to hide out. When that valve opens, everything just goes straight into the combustion chamber. And you're moving that gas around quickly. You have a question, Liza. No, I was going to add to that. So when we used to sell parts for like Yamaha Roadsters, right? right? It was amazing. So you'd have this cast elbow that connected the air intake to the... I guess that wasn't carburetor injector. And we would sit there with Dremels and there'd just be like little casting lines in it. Hmm. And you're just taking down all these lines, these like cast lines and smoothing it out. Is that like a velocity stack? No, No. the velocity stack sits behind the carburetor. And the velocity stack really replaces or is used in conjunction with an air filter. Mm -hmm. But it does the same thing. A velocity stack is shaped like a bell. Mm Mm-hmm. So the idea is is to get the air moving smoothly into the carburetor, smoothly through the carburetor, and smoothly into the engine. Well, there and there was another thing that we used to sell. It was just this uh, disc, like a large washer, that had these fins at angles with the idea that you would put that into your air intake and it would create the air coming in to start spiraling and create a Ah, vortex. Now now we're going to get into some new new technology. Now, um, back in the 70s, Suzuki had a very, very good engine um, with the GS, um, particularly the GS1000, which seemed to make a little more power than everybody else's bikes, but more importantly, held itself together really, really well. And this engine is so good. If you go to any drag meet, any drag meet, anywhere in America or all over the world, there are still big air-cooled Suzuki's earning their keep on drag strips. I mean, they're just ridiculously good engines. But Suzuki were looking for a way for this thing to make more power because, you know, out of the box, a GS1000 was about 85 horsepower. And they came up with um, what was called the TSCC system, which was the twin swirl combustion chamber. Sounds like ice cream. Yeah, it does. (laughs) And what they did with the twin swirl, they took the intake... And they went from a single intake valve to twin intake valves per cylinder. And they put this little baffle halfway down the intake. So it almost looked like a pig nose. Mm. And it would spin the intake charge. Which brings me to the modern (coughs) school of thought with intake technology. And I'm kind of on the fence with this. I see the theory behind it. And it's called dimpling. Dimpling. Mm. And the idea with dimpling is... The inside of the intake begins to look like a golf ball. Yep. And what it does is it creates little vortices. Mm. That little low-pressure zones. Little low-pressure areas and little vortices that help the fuel combust. Now, the theory behind it is sound. But the reason why I'm shying away from it is you need to get it exactly right. And if yep. you don't, you can royally fuck up your cylinder head. You're just creating turbulence. 
Exactly. Mm. And you don't want to create turbulence. You want to create vortices. So for now, I'm sticking with my mirror polish. And you, if you ever see one of the intakes that I build for, for a high horse, particularly a British bike, it's mirror finish. And it's, <coughs> it's things like where two pieces join together, where an intake joins on the back of a cylinder head. Often there's a little step. Well, we get rid of that step. Where a gasket is in between, sometimes it encroaches. So we get rid of that as well. So the air just has this beautiful, smooth passage. And the proof of the pudding's in the eating. I guess it makes sense. You create turbulence. Any of these, just like you see in water, it's creating turbulence. Mm -hmm. It's going to affect the flow. So I actually, just to get an idea of like cost, right? I brought up, um, Harley Davidson, like Screaming Eagle ki- kits. And so, what's a, like what's a road glide like? Twenty five, thirty grand. Yep, out of the yeah. box. Yeah. So just to give you an idea. Uh, if you want to get a high flow air filter, one hundred fifty bucks, right? Okay. Uh, if you want to get a uh, oxygen sensor installation tool, four ninety nine, uh, five hundred bucks. I'm, I'm not even you- sure why you need that. Uh, if you want the Screaming Eagle cam, two hundred and sixty bucks. If you want the, oh, the street tuner, which is basically the box that plugs in. I think this has the maps. About $370. Uh, We're not done. If you want the hydraulic cam chain tensioner plate upgrade kit, $574. I wonder how much it would be if I did the hydraulic cam chain upgrade and, um, God, what was the other one where you're into the the cam upgrade? How much would the Uh, shop rate fee be for that? Well, you've got to get you, that's exhaust stuff, um, timing chest stuff. Because you're getting into the motor. Hold on, hold on. Point, I'm, right? I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not even done. Hold on. If you wanted to get a, um, a high flow th- a th- replacement throttle body, five hundred thirty-two dollars. If you want to get the ported cylinder heads, sixteen hundred dollars. Right. Um, if you want to get uh, just slip-on mufflers, six hundred fifty dollars. You want to get the oil pump. The uh, high volume oil pump and cam support plate, seven hundred seventy four. Uh, the high flow injector kits, one hundred sixty bucks. It goes on and on, and even here, the Screaming Eagle twin cam bolt on one ten CI to one hundred seventeen. You're going to increase seven cc's, right? Right. Cubic inches. 20 cubic, 20, uh, cubic inches. Seven cubic inches, $2,400. Right. And it just mm. keeps going. You want, I mean, it, it's on and on and on, all these little things. You want the high capacity tappets? Yes. That's $275. Um, you get into, and, and like we would sell like the um, titanium push rods. It's like, why? Well, because the, the steel ones have flex. So you want the titanium less flex, so it increases the horsepower. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about all this. And that's why I wanted to ask you about all these things. Is well, it worth it? Like, you know? I have a question. Yeah. How much was the, How much did the cylinder head cost again? 1600 bucks. You know what a performance cylinder head for a vintage Vespa cost? $104.66. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of, I mean... So, what? Yeah. we're going to get into what I see is the crux of the argument. Well, oh, and I want to say, I think the reason that that part for that Vespa is so cheap, because it comes off of a Honda Elite. Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. Shots fired. Good Lord. 
Um, new, 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 new. Emma, <laughs> I want you to finish that. We're going to take a quick break. Oh, okay. So finish your, you were, I interrupted you. Well, and th- I think this will be a good segue so people can think about this. So we, when we come back after the break, going fast and engine performance are not mutually exclusive, but they're two very different animals. If somebody comes into Mototown and says, I want to go fast, we don't necessarily start with the engine. Start with a uh, diet and exercise program? Ah, well, that certainly helped. Um, going fast encompasses a great many things, of which handling, braking... We're- we're acknowledging that you should do all the things, but we're Road only talking hold. about more power today, tonight. Well, yeah, I, but I, I want to make clear that yeah. going fast and more power. I mean, yes, more power is nice to go fast, mm-hmm. but making true horsepower. And all of that will come maybe next week. Okay. See, tonight is the power. Yes, we recognize. So is a drag race? Is that where you would see like just the raw power? Drag strip, like modifying bikes yep. for a drag strip. Yep. But so, so, so the obvious argument is why can't my bike have drag strip power? Well, it can, but you'd rebuild it every other time you went out. Yeah. Because the thing is, if, if you're running um, competitive top fuel drag bikes, they're getting rebuilt after every run. Mm. And that's not practical. You know, one of the arguments, even against your bike, the uh, the 450, mm, uh-huh. have you seen the maintenance schedule on that Yes, thing? I do lots of oil changes. Isn't that wild? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's not acceptable for somebody who's used to... Can you imagine somebody who rides a cruiser being right. presented with a maintenance schedule... Like that, right? Well, street bikes we assume what three to five thousand miles now, right? Exactly, more or less. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to six hundred. Well, I mean that that comes down to again, there's a price you pay for performance, and it's not just the price to buy the parts. No, it's it's the price of keeping the thing on the road. Um, you know, Jim, I was talking about the CRF four hundred and fifty because when it came out, you know, us Honda Techs were like, bloody hell, look at this. Mm. Um, maintenance schedule. This is the same maintenance schedule as a full race CRS. Yes, they give it to it in hours also, yeah. Right. It's always in hours. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this thing is on the road. So there is a price to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we look at the overall package, and again, I mean, I want to make sure that if we look hard at ourselves as riders and at our ability and at road conditions, it is very, very, very hard Mm -hmm. to make good use of more than 100 horsepower on the street. Well, Emma, we're going to take a pause. I want to come back to this conversation because we got a package from a listener. A package. And I am digging in here before I pass it on. I'm not going to show you what it is. And I'll let you at pretend like you just opened it. And this came from our friend Chris Holmley. 
Oh, you're going to get excited. I'm just going to and prepare anyone listening for the ASMR. There's going to be noise. Don't shout into the mic, Emma. Oh, my God. So can you share what's in the package from Chris? Oh, I can. And I believe that this, you know what this is. Because I was like, why? Oh, I bet you Emma knows. Oh, I don't know. I've never seen seen these before. So this is made by a company called Tasty Cake. (laughs) Baked deliciously since 1914. Oh, my gosh. Crimpets, I know about tasty cakes. Sponge cakes with butterscotch icing. Oh my gosh! And then that, yeah, that's their bread and butter. And then they don't brought, bogart that. Don't bogart that tasty cake, Emma. He sent us three cases. Ice sponge cakes with cream filling. I'm Throw going. that over and there. Ice sponge <laughs> cakes with jelly filling. So I've gone straight for the butterscotch. I've noticed that the butterscotch looks peculiarly empty already. I took one. Okay, very good. Over <laughs> to you, Jim. Chris, thank you so much. Because you know oh, Chris how we increase our performance. Oh, Ooh, how do you know about Tasty Cakes Bagel? They're, they're from my stomping grounds. That's a Philadelphia company. I, I literally grew up on that stuff. So this really? is what Philly people eat? Yes, every like every day. <laughs> now, like when, when would you eat Philly. a tasty cake? Would you? Is it sort of when you get home from school? Two thirty in the morning. After oh no, hammered. you can eat it for breakfast. You can eat it for a snack. You can eat it for well anytime really. Uh, their their coffee cakes are absolutely delicious, uh, and they also have like a uh, like a peanut butter like it's like a little little mini cakes. I don't know quite what quite what they're called, but. They're absolutely delicious. It's like survival food. Oh, Emma, would you say this is the equivalent, Sur- eating these tasty cakes, is the equivalent of putting nitrous on your bike? Oh, this is more horsepower. <laughs> this is definitely more horsepower. <laughs> mm. how, much, how much horsepower does nitrous or a tasty cake provide? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know, Philadelphia must be the cultural center of the world. This is mm. maybe the greatest mm. thing I've ever eaten. Are they good? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> and they break in half, apparently. So much sugar. That's you can make a sandwich out of it. Oh, yes. It's all. It's so much sugar. <laughs> but so good. Well, cheers. Chris, well, thank, thank you. you so thank much. You, Chris. Oh, Chris, thank you, darling. Yeah. So, um, all right. It's going to get well, crazy. Now, thank you, thank get you crazy. for sharing Philadelphia, Chris. So, okay, now we're going to go on on a slight tangent. And we're going to talk about Ooh. forced induction. Oh. Mm. Now. Forced turbo. In, yeah, not necessarily turbo, although I like <laughs> turbo. Forced induction um, comes in, you know, some different flavors. Um, and basically, instead of relying on the engine's natural ability to suck fuel-air mixture in, you push it in. And if you push it in, you can get really stupidly high horsepower figures. So that would be a supercharger oh, yeah. or a turbo, yes? <clears throat> right. And the difference, the, the two work or in very, methods. very different ways. A supercharger is mechanically driven. Um, there's a pulley on the end of the crankshaft, which operates <laughs> a belt or gears, and it drives the supercharger, which have which has veins inside it. The most common type of supercharger in the old school way is called the root supercharger, which has long sort of um, 
almost cloverleaf shaped veins and they spin and basically the carburetor sits on top the air fuel mixture gets sucked through the supercharger pushed into the intake and then pushed into the engine don't you see that stack coming out the hood of a car supercharger Mm, okay yep now the biggest piece of hollywood nonsense Oh, excuse me. It was in the original <laughs> Mad Max film. Mm. God, this tasty cake is great. It's ridiculous. And he drove around this thing called the Police Interceptor. And one of the the, the key parts of the films <clears throat> is he's driving along, and the pulley on the front of the supercharger is idle. <coughs> and then he pulls this switch, and then it spools up, and it gives you more power. That's complete fallacy. That cannot work. Because the supercharger, if it wasn't spinning, the engine would not be running. Mm. It'd have to be a char- bypass or something. Right, yeah, unless you had a bypass on Wait, it. Wait, are which you kind telling of- me Hollywood lies? Well, it, I don't think it was even Hollywood <laughs> back then. It was the Australian <laughs> Film Foundation. <laughs> but that would be very, very hard to achieve. Um, yeah. can, can I add something to your list? Yes. So you, 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 were t- you got turbo, you got superchargers. And something that you commonly see on many cruisers, the hypercharger. Oh, that's just an air filter. Well, but I, I kind of, but this I think Kuryakin, this is their their bread and butter. Is a or hypercharger? Is it a ram error? Yeah, because it's a filter. If you, if, Jim, if you haven't seen these, it's a filter that sticks out from the bike and basically scoops air from the front. So as the faster you're going, doesn't work. According mm. to them. Yeah. How many horsepower does it say does it gives you? I uh, don't know that it says. 1. 1.2. <laughs> 1.2 horsepower per 100. So you're saying yeah, that yeah. this is one of the things that gives you the appearance. Because to me, you, the logic I mean, makes sense, they, right? They look great. They yeah, look they're, they're, that it's scooping. Well, I mean, people put scoops on the hoods. Of yeah, believe me. Thing. Believe me. Your engine is sucking far more fuel. Oh, than the speed you're going. The speed you're going. If you ever want to see how much your engine sucks fuel, Mm -hmm. and bear in mind this is a no-load situation. This is basically with you just sitting, revving your bike. Mm -hmm. Hold your hand over the intake of the carburetor and rev your bike. And it'll suck the skin clean off your damn hand. You would have to be going probably 500 miles an hour to really find the benefit of that. So but you, they look great. But So you're putting that into the the list of it's, it's not it, worth the money. It looks great. It's okay. their number one selling air yeah. filter because it looks great. And it's mimicking supercharger technology. Yeah. It looks like it's But it has butterflies. Right, like a supercharger. <laughs> but but there aren't there some bikes that do have like ram air intakes that, that actually do produce a, at least a small amount of air pressure boost? No, no, honestly. What was it on the early Buells? They had that giant thing hanging out. The scoops? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's just an intake. Okay, ah, just... ah, I know what that is. It is a cold air intake. And there is science behind that. Oh. Because, and we're going to talk about this as well. Cold air intake, in order for fuel to combust, you need oxygen. Oxygen's in the air, right? Yeah. Have you ever mm. heard the term oxygenated? 
on hmm? my goldfish, like oxygenated right. water. Right. It's got <laughs> oxygen in it. And if you're burning something, a high oxygen count leads to a better burn. Mm-hmm. You know, if we campfire. Right. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Well, or a uh, forge. One of the big problems, and it started with cars, because in cars, underbody temperatures can get quite Underhood temperatures can get quite high because you've got this big hulking engine. And, of course, we don't like listening to engines, so they put this huge amount of um, fiberglass matting under the hood to keep the noise down, but it keeps the heat in. So things get quite warm in there. And then you've got the entrance to the intake, so the air is warm. Well, if we think back to our chemistry days and our physics days, the warmer the air is, the more stretched out the oxygen molecules in it are. It's an oxygen-lean environment. So the car manufacturers came out with what was called a cold air intake. And what a cold air intake was, they would take the entrance to the air filter and do... um, a trunking, which was usually insulated away from the heat, and would have an entrance next to one of the car's headlights. Cold air intake. And that actually increased horsepower because you were getting a colder, denser charge of oxygen. Mm -hmm. Now, back in the day, we used to ride our bikes to the pub and we'd get terribly drunk and ride our bikes home. And... Bikes always rode better on the way home. We always thought, well, it's because we're drunk. But no, there is science behind it. Riding back from the pub, the air is colder. And there's a little bit of damp in the air. We're going to come to this in a minute. And it's a very oxygen-rich environment. And yes, your bike actually runs better going home from the pub in the cold and dark than it did going to the pub when it's lovely and sunny. Hmm. So now we're going to talk about water injection. What, what? the fuck what? is what? water injection? No. <laughs> Are we going to start talking about Smoky Eunuch here? Uh, oh, my. <laughs> Smoky Eunuch and his water <laughs> injection. Well, water injection is was very, very commonplace in aircraft technology, um, early jets. If you ever see a picture of a 707 barreling down the runway and taking off or a VC-10 or any of the early jets, it's tons of black smoke. That is not from the fuel. That is actually from the water injection they used in the turbojets. Mm. And so it works for car engines as well and bike engines, particularly very, very high horsepower ones. In order... If you're dealing with a very, very high compression ratio, and you're talking 12, 13 plus to one, like a drag race application, mm-hmm. you're running on ethanol, nitro fuel. Um, you want to make sure that you get all of that fuel combusted and you don't want pre-ignition. So you make sure that you have a very oxygen-rich environment. And the easiest way to do that is inject either water or steam into the intake and that into the actual mixture yes and it's it's a very very dense oxygen rich and you get an amazing burn out of it the problem the corrosion is massive in the engine Mm. and rapid Mm. so there's they you know water injection 
it's great. You could inject water into your, your bike with the right amount and you could immediately get more power. But you destroy the inside within a few hundred miles. That's no good. So I think what we're getting to, and the same applies with turbocharging, with supercharging, with um, nitrous oxide injection, which, again, is the same. It's very combustible material. Everything's a compromise. And we're trying to take care of the environment. Well, that not, might be not a priority for some people. But having a bike you can at least ride across a fucking parking lot without it breaking down is an environment as well. And we want it to at least do 30 to the gallon. If your bike does three or four to the gallon, that's no good either. Because you'd have to have such a huge fuel tank to even enjoy a ride down the coast. That doesn't make sense. So there's so many factors. The fact of the matter is, we've got it made in the shade right now. Engines are an amazingly efficient. Yeah. They run very, very well. The Japanese manufacturers in particular have really buttoned everything down. They've got their mixtures right. They've got their mapping right. Um and they're doing very, very interesting things. They're making the bikes sound better, but to the rider. <clears throat> We're talking again about perceived performance. If you jump on a GSX S1000, S your bike sounds epic, doesn't it? Uh, especially at the low end, yeah. Do you know what I hear? Hmm. Nothing. Nothing, yeah. Because it's... You're hearing it because they've tuned the intake mm -hmm. to make it exciting for you, the rider. So it's almost like a frequency or a right. something like that, right? Yeah. It's very, very clever technology. Mm -hmm. And Suzuki have always been mm -hmm. absolute masters at it. The intake on Suzuki sounds epic, but the exhaust is not harsh. Mm -hmm. And so they're doing really, really clever things like this. And they're great bikes to ride. So, you know, we've really got it made in the shade. It's not like the old days where you had bikes that were in very, very low states of tune. Um, and you could do a lot to make them go quicker, easier. But even back then, you had to be very, very careful that you didn't lose performance. I mean, the amount of times... Emma, wiggle your fingers because the cat is chewing on our wires. <laughs> About to lose, <laughs> lose <No>. contact. <laughs> Sorry, didn't you. I'm more worried about the She's cat. She's just getting, gnawing on the I'm, not, I'm more worried about the, the cat getting electrocuted. <laughs> oh my god! Um, but even then, you know, you'd lose performance. I mean, I've forgotten the amount of times that you know you'd get a mate say, "Oh, I've just put a set of set of Yoshimura cams in my Z thousand mm -hmm. on Saturday and blew it up on Monday." <laughs> it's like, oops. Well, you know, for me, the first, I think, the real change. Growing up in that mentality of, oh, you got to do the pipes, you got to do the thing. Every, every, that's a known thing. I mean, how many Harleys have stock exhausts on them? That's the rarest kind, right? Because it's just I think mine. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but when the I, only one. So when I got that Versus, which was the first bike I bought brand new. Right. Mm -hmm. And I started, you know, looking, checking the forums and what to do. And there were people who were like, I put new pipes on, which you could buy pipes for it. Mm -hmm. but you couldn't get maps for it. Mm. And they're like, people are like, don't do it. 
I made mine worse because there wasn't a map to tune it for. That bike was optimal from the factory. And everyone said on these forums, like, just don't touch it. It's better left alone. Right. And that was the first time I was like, oh, right. This is the new modern bikes. I could talk about back pressure. And back pressure is is quite important because as you get a – as the exhaust – pulses out of the engine bah, 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 bah. when it reaches the baffle in the exhaust which is the thing that actually quiets it down a proportion of it gets pushed back up the exhaust pipe and you're going to say well hang on that's kind of weird because you've got two-way flow going but in a lot of cases in fact in every case that can aid combustion it mm-hmm. raises exhaust temperature, and if we go back to Smoky Eunuch, the idea is is to get exhaust temperature as high as possible and combustion chamber temperature down so that you get um, that high oxygenated burn. So back pressure does a lot of things to help your bike. And the first thing that happens when you take that exhaust system away, you lose all the back pressure. <laughs> And that can make it worse. So um, considerably right. worse, right? Because it it also will end up uh, because you you have that spot where the intake and the exhaust valves are both open at the same time when it's you know pushing the exhaust out of the cylinder and pulling the new mixture in. Right. You can actually end up pulling unburned fuel out through the exhaust if there's not enough back pressure, and then you're reducing your fuel mileage and you know wasting just literally wasting fuel. Right, and that's what, and you can always tell. That's generally why when you put straight pipes on a bike, yep. when you shut the throttle, you get bang, 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 yep. bang, bang. Yep. It's a byproduct of straight pipes because you've taken away the back pressure and exactly. unburned fuels ending up in your exhaust pipe. Now, you can mitigate that by deleting air injection on it, which is an emission device, but there's really no substitute. I'm not saying we should all go around, but our bike's whispering. But... There's a happy medium. All right. So in, in, in wrapping up this subject, um, Emma, what is your best recommendation for best value uh, to increase power to a bike? Use what you've got. Keep it on tune. Keep it on tune. Keep your plugs clean. Keep your air filter clean. Keep your oil clean. That's it. So just keep maintaining it. Keep maintaining it. If it says the valve clearances need doing at 20,000 miles, do them. How about about high-flow air filter? Does that help things a little bit without having to... No. No? No. I mean, there isn't a single item, no matter what the manufacturers claim, that you can bolt on your bike and actually get more... Actually, I tell a lie. You can buy... Um, a Mr. Turbo kit for $4,000, you can bolt it on your bike and you can double the power. So what you're saying, and this is for vintage and modern, or just mostly the modern bikes today, modern being like 90s and up, that... Anything, anything with fuel injection and a lambda sensor right. in it, stick with it. So what you're saying is, there's nothing you can do to increase your power, but... We are losing our power 
and you can bring it back through regular maintenance. Right. And this is okay. this is why a lot of the manufacturers <clears throat> get away with that, with making these outrageous claims. Buy our air filter and get 20% more power. And then you see at the bottom, compared with a dirty air filter. Mm. Uh. If you change your air filter, <laughs> you're going to get 20% more power if your old one's plugged, maybe more. So m- anything that's fuel injected, anything that's got a lambda <clears throat> sensor, make sure your plugs are sparkling clean. Make sure your air filter is sparkling clean. Make sure your oil is sparkling clean. Maintain the rest of the bike. Make sure your chain's good. Your tire pressures are good. Keep your brakes in working order. And you are going to fly like a boyd. So basically, the answer is race fuel and a motorcycles and misfit sticker. Yep. Sticker. That's your best bet. <laughs> but but Be- Liza, we, we, we haven't even gone into two strokes. Well, because oh. those aren't street legal bikes today. And my but argument with new. two strokes, no. yeah. yeah, but new. the argument with two strokes bagel is mm-hmm. it is exactly the same. There's not a single thing you can really bolt on a two stroke to give you a lot more power. Maybe an expansion chamber, a new head. But mm-hmm. now we're that, getting into modifying not, engines. Not one single thing. <laughs> there you go. Which is what right. I said all along. It's right. a complete package, and we really right. have to approach it. If I'm building a performance engine, I ask the customer, what do you want to do? Are you riding track? Are you riding street? I'm riding street. Okay. Are you riding freeway or are you riding commute? I'm riding commute. Are you riding mostly on back roads? Are you mostly riding on two-lane roads? Mostly on back roads. Okay. I'm going to build you a very, very high-performance engine that develops power where you really need it. It's going to be really punchy below 5,000 RPM. And you're still going to get that nice rush when the cam cut comes in at above six, but I'm giving you power down low. I know the answer to the question. I can't believe I didn't think of this. The answer, if you want to get more power, is the... Pulleys or sprockets, the ratio, change the ratio. Oh, God. Right? <laughs> you're moving, you're well, moving uh, where the power here's is. Here's one question. Could a poor where... man's way of messing with mapping be change the front or rear sprocket? But, well, yeah, right. but, but, but no. You're not, yeah. you're, not creating, you're not creating more power. You're, you're moving it. No, we're moving it. We're just talking you're about moving, moving it. it. Right. Well, well, no, all that's truthfully. If I went from 15 to 14 teeth on my front sprocket. All that's going to happen is... If you, let's talk about front sprockets. If you put a smaller front sprocket on, you're just going to be rowing through the gears quicker. Mm -hmm. You're going to be first, second, third, fourth, fifth. If you put on a bigger front sprocket, it's going to be first, second, third, fourth, fifth. Mm -hmm. That's it. You know, you're really not going to have that much of a perceived difference. Tell it to the supermoto crowd who do change their sprockets so they do get more wah-wah at the lower end, but they can't take their bikes on the freeway anymore. Right, you know? exactly. It's a compromise. So were you, were you kind of saying that if a new, like on a dirt bike, of a, a front sprocket with one less tooth or two less teeth, um, you don't really notice the difference after first gear? 
so much as like is it diminishing well, like that you, or something kind of? Well, I mean, here's the deal: you've got four, you've got five or six forward gears, right? Like, if I'm looking for a little more low end power in second gear, like get into second a little quicker and be able to use it and slow. Yeah, train I more. mean, you know, changing your sprocket's going to do that, okay. but it's not giving you more power, right? Okay, it's perceived. It's just enabling you to get yourself into second quicker, yeah, okay. and once you're in second, you're still in second. Second's going to behave like old first. First. Gotcha. Okay. So you say, oh, this is quick because that's how it was in first. Mm-hmm. The only time that it's really going to work for you is if you've got a bike with so much power, it's virtually unusable in first gear because it'll either break away the wheel or just pull a stupid wheelie. It might be worth gearing up, mm. putting a bigger front sprocket or a smaller rear sprocket on it. So you end up with something usable in first gear. So when Michael was here today and he was on his CT90, I asked him, like, hey, so what would be the first thing you do if you want to get more power out of it? He said, I can put a Chinese engine in it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there and you that's go. the method, put a life fan in it. Um, I always say, yeah, get, get the bike that has the power you need. But there you go. Um, there's a lot of people spending a lot of money to add horsepower. to, And I want to make it premium. Ab- you know, performance. I want to make it absolutely clear. These are not stupid people, and they're not on a stupid game by buying these things. In my opinion, you can't call a bike a superbike unless it's modified. So you're saying you're individualizing it. You're individualizing Two people it. on the same bike, but my bike's faster because I put in new cams. I put in hot cams, right? Well, if you're trying to beat somebody over, say, an 18-lap race, and you're going to beat them ah, by three but, or four seconds. Well, that's where racing comes that's in. Where and that's where you need a, every And then weight advantage. reduction and all the things. But we're not talking about well, that. Well, that might be another conversation for another day is not horsepower. Right, but then, how do you go faster? How do you I'm, make lose a motorcycle weight. go lose faster? You know you what? There's probably would, a lot of little things. I would yeah, but, yeah. like to have this conversation in the studio, and I would like to be sitting next to Yuri Barrigan when we do uh, it. Yeah. Well, because Yuri knows a great amount. So Yuri Barrigan is yeah. our pet road racer, and he but, knows a lot about going fast. But but Liza, how do you lose weight when you live to ride and ride to eat? Yeah. <laughs> no, as I, right? and, no, because remember Electric Terry, when he was going to set a record, and for him, yeah. the... The how how long his battery would last he, to him there was a science and I remember he's like I need to get my weight down to this because mm-hmm. he had figured it all out because yeah. it was all yeah. a piece yeah. of the puzzle and not to steal Yuri's thunder but you know a lot of his going fast it it comes down to some interesting aerodynamics and hair gel um, he's got good hair so um, before we get to emails we've got a supercross update so oh, our friend oh. ian has been following supercross ah, okay and he's uh, sent us a 30 second update nice. let's let's hear it this week in supercross cooper webb was victorious in arlington texas when jet lawrence dropped the bag eli tomac put together one of his beast mode charges to come in second and fan favorite aaron plessinger rounded out the 450 podium in the 250 class hayden deegan got his first ever supercross win ghost riding the bike over the finish line austin fortner missed a tabletop and was ejected from the motorcycle damaging his shoulder on the stadium's concrete floor cameron mcadoo and max anstein rounded out the 250 podium this has been your supercross 37 there you wow, go. That's awesome. Isn't that awesome? No, that's Ian Go, wait, That's Hawaiian. Yeah, get ghost Rider, Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider, winning with the Ghost Rider. I like what? that. <laughs> what? Watch, you go check the YouTube, YouTube tonight. So, 
There you go. I, I, things have changed a lot. That's why I wanted to talk about it because, Emma, back in the day, like bikes of the 60s and 70s, it was all about making all these changes, doing all these things. But you see, there was even a price to pay back then. But it's so oh, much yeah. less common because well, the bikes are so tuned. What it reminds now. me of is uh, like on any Sunday and they're talking about, and here's Mert Lawwell and he was like polishing his camshaft followers and all this little stuff. But every it was little thing, every yeah. little thing they were polishing. But that's up. in competition. And when yeah. you're competing against other people who know as much as you, any tiny little thing will give you that racer's edge. So, Especially the illegal fuel. We've got some emails I want to get to, and this one... Who have I upset <laughs> this week? No, no, no. This is a good one. This is from Kurt. The title of this email is, I'm a real adult, my mom is scared, and pine trees hurt. Mm, yes. <laughs> All right. You curious now? Mm-mm. It says, mm. Howdy, Misfits. Kurt from the beautiful micro mountains of Wisconsin here. Mm. First and foremost, thank you for all the amazing podcasts that keep me from bashing my head in the door jams around work. <laughs> <laughs> I found, found you guys during COVID and have been gripped ever since. Now to the good stuff. Also, I'd like to apologize in advance as this is a bit of a long story, but it's worth it. As a child of the early 2000s, Gosh, he's a wee lad, a baron. <laughs> On a farm in rural Wisconsin, I'm sure you can imagine that some dangerous and good times were had by my brother and I. You'd oh, be yeah. Correct. Well, they were cheese farming. <laughs> Especially after my dad bought matching clapped out trail 70s from our neighbor. Oh, that's All awesome. behind my poor mom's back. Needless to say, she was not amused. After learning how to ride and getting into plenty of trouble, the bikes were parked as we grew up and found other things to nearly kill ourselves. Ha-ha! Cut to 2020. My brother and I both decided to get our actual licenses so we were truly legal riders. One could say we became real adults finally at the ages of 24 and 27. So on a random rainy day, we found the rattle-canned, beat-up Trail 70s in our dad's back garage and thought we needed to resurrect them. Yes. That we did, without changing any of the horrid layers of paint and decals that we had stuck on some 20 years earlier. (laughs) Fast forward to last weekend, when my brother and I both ended up at the farm with our new bikes. A Triumph 765 for my brother and a Yamaha MT-09 SP for me. After the terror on my poor mother's face had washed away, (laughs) we re-traumatized her with the memories of the crazy shit we used to do on the old bikes that inevitably led to a challenge between my brother and I. It was simple. Who had the biggest balls? Mm. Oh, boy. A terrace and a hilled field was picked as the ramp and the brief... um, And the brief was, who had the most bravery to jump it? Oh, God. (laughs) My brother went first and did quite well for himself. Not to be outdone by my older brother, I squared up and was beginning my run when I heard the dulcet tones of Miss Emma in my ear whispering those infamous words. Give it the beans, darling! (laughs) (laughs) And so I did. Promptly leaving the ground and blowing way past the performance of my yes, older yes. and probably wiser brother. <laughs> That's where things took a turn. Oh, no. Oh, no. The pine tree at the it's, bottom of the field. Oh. Look, this is not my fault. Had not oh. been a part of my original geometry in this stunt. 
I hit the tree about seven feet up the trunk and quickly collapsed in a heap at the bottom as the bike continued past the tree. Oh, was he the guy that won the race? (laughs) The bruises were numerous, but likely nothing serious. All I can say is it was completely worth it because I won. Heck yeah. Thanks again for your amazing work. And as my dad would say, keep the corn cobs out of your butt and everything will be smooth going. Dying. (laughs) (laughs) Sound advice. Some of us may have had plans around that later. But you know, (laughs) that's such a lovely story for a number of reasons, because there was injury, there was daring do. Um, There was air. There was a lot of air. Seven feet up a tree, that's... But, you know, the thing I think I love the most about that, it's just two brothers from Wisconsin (laughs) enjoying their their bikes. I I think that's just the greatest thing. I've never had a chance to ride with my brother, although he does ride. I mean, he's got a 650 Bandit. Um, but I'm hoping to rectify that one day when I'm in England. And I will th- I will be the proudest woman alive when I'm riding alongside my brother. That's going to be the greatest thing. So what a, what a lovely nice. email. All right, Jim, you got a short one there. I do. Motorcycles and Misfits has received a new message. Oh, I thought that was the title. <laughs> Bonehead. <laughs> this is from J.P. Smith. Hey, J.P., hey, what's happening? Uh, I began following the podcast after watching the Norman Reedus visit to the garage, right on. Curious to discover what a misfit is, and I had an epiphany one day riding my Ducati A31 Monster alone again that it hit me. I are one. Hey, <laughs> welcome to the club. Hey. hey. He has an ankle one bracelet, of us. too. One of us. One of us. Uh, I so appreciate the uh, sharing hilarious dialogue. Thank you. Uh, yeah, right on, JP. Thanks for the note. Yeah, and I mean, that's largely true. We're all misfits, JP. Oh, if you'd seen um, us last night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bagel, you have a... I are one. I are one. A short are. one and a long one. Which one do you want to go with? I have a short one. <clears throat> I've heard that Bagel has a but, short one. Look at his legs. He walks around <laughs> in circles a lot. <laughs> <laughs> This is I, I've, heard, I've heard his will is 12 inches long, but he doesn't use it as a rule. <laughs> <laughs> or he goes sideways through the turnstile. Oh, he's going to Bangkok again. <laughs> Sorry, bagel. That's uh, all right. Sugar dick daddy, so, Mr. Long. What? <laughs> I have an email from Maurice Berger. Is he from oh, the land of Zutalo and Sacre Bleus? No. It is from Switzerland. Ah! Oh, Chocolate and like, cuckoo clocks. How about that? But with a name like Maurice Berger, he must be from the French part That's of Switzerland. Right. He writes uh, the email titled Beggar's Joyride. <laughs> Maurice writes, Hi, Miss Fitz. Here is an image of a kiddie ride outside a gas station mm-hmm. in Switzerland. I've seen race cars, motorcycles, aircraft. Animals and even the occasional steamroller. But never a scooter. So if Bagel should ever open a store, there you go. Love, peace, and motorcycles, Maurice. Oh. Emma. Thank you, Maurice. And Thank it's you, a Maurice. That's great. Oh, fantastic. I, I want to see that. Look at that. A little scooter that. on a, a with those like platform things where you stick a, a coin in. Yeah. And oh, in how it. cool. Bucks you but up this and down. is a. It's like a little like Malagini The paint job is amazing. Mm. Oh, the paint job oh, is yeah. wild. Oh, it's got like it's very nineties. Just, just show it to me. 
like a metallic green with like lots of graphics and sort of a lightning bolt on the side and stuff. And yeah, <laughs> Whoa, would you look at that? You know, I remember we don't have one of those here. Somewhere? I remember yeah. back in the day, and they they were quite prevalent in Spain, <clears throat> if I remember right. There were mm-hmm. kiddie rides with little motocross bikes on, and they oh, were yeah. real Italjets. Yeah. And Italjet yeah. actually made them. They just left the guts out of the engine. It's like, yep. this one is going to be a motorbike. This one is going to be a kiddie ride. And they yep. looked exactly the <laughs> yeah. same. Yeah. <laughs> the and ones I suspect that passed QC the became the kiddie rides. <laughs> All right, Emma, you have an email to share? Oh, I do. And this is from Anne Kuskinen. Man. Right here, Anne. Miss Emma, my first bike bought in 1970 Mm. at age 21 out of the military was a 1966 BSA 650 Hornet, altered to be street legal, lights, horn, etc., no battery. I loved it. There is a lot to love there. What's your opinion about it? It's brilliant. That's what I think. Um, And clearly, Anne is still into British bikes. 07 speed triple. 12 street triple so the speed triple is the 1050 mm. and then the uh, street triple is the uh what is this is that the 600. biggest production triple no rocket What's, three. Oh, that's right 2.5 yeah, but um no it's funny that i'm glad this came up because back in the day BSA, Triumph, Norton, all did the competition version of their street bikes. Now, BSA came in various flavors. They came in Lightning, which had twin carbs, Thunderbolt, which was a single carb, and then, I can't remember, Firebird, which was the dirty bike, and then the Hornet, which was the competition bike. They were all 650cc, all 650cc. So how do you think they got more power in the Hornet? Because the Hornet had more power. They changed the sprocket. (laughs) Cams and compression ratio, darling. Um, And so by getting a Hornet, which I think, if I remember right, the Lightning was like all british bikes were about 50 horsepower give or take um i think the lightning was like about 48 or something and the hornet was 56 so it was good it was eight horsepower so if you take one of those and just put lights on it it's brilliant because you're basically riding a competition bike with lights on not dissimilar to what you're doing jim it's just Hmm. honda did it for you I mean, make no mistake your crf 450 is a competition bike Mm -hmm. 10 years ago you would have won any mm. race that you put that bike in. You see, we've gotten so blasé about horsepower now. and We've gotten so used to horsepower. Who is my hero? Barry Sheen. How much was the most amount of power that Barry Sheen ever had? Maybe 70 horsepower? No, a bit more than that. Okay, I don't know. Over 100. Okay. But no, <laughs> would that be Barry the two-stroke two yes. superbikes? Yeah. yeah, but Barry Sheen never had the amount of horsepower at his disposal that your FZ1 has. Mm-hmm. And he ported his helmet. Yes, he did. And smoked and drank heavily. <laughs> smoked. So, you know, and it, it, there's so many things that make up performance, but I like that email very much because BSA Hornet, or as we call them in England, BSA Hornies, 
Uh, very we, good. We got time for one more, and you have a second. Uh, you, don't, you don't call them BSA Randys. <laughs> Randy Dandy. <laughs> All right, motorcycle picker upper. This is from Joris Mosfeld. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Liza. I'm writing in response to your recent concerns about the effects of aging on riding confidence. Oh, I'm liking this already. My greatest worry now at 62 is that I will not be able to pick my bike up back up when it falls, which so far has been limited to parking lot drops. I've addressed this concern by acquiring, via my son's last Christmas, a picker-upper hmm. that lets me winch the bike up a foot or so from flat mm-hmm. so I can hmm. then muscle it the rest of the way upright. There are several versions out there. I have the Moto Winch by Eastbound from the mm-hmm. Netherlands, and there's a little link. It's not cheap at about 200 bucks, but it's as compact as can be with the component tubes maxing out at 18 inches. And the set weighs four pounds. Well, that's nothing. The company also sells wrench heads in sizes common for axle nuts, ratchet heads, a bead breaker, and tire spoons to fit into the tubes to use them as levers, which is pretty slick, and I agree. The picker-upper has already saved me the embarrassment of not having to ask for help when I forgot to load my kickstand in a hotel parking lot and the bike fell on the downhill side Ouch. loaded with gas and luggage. Oh, God. Does oh. it say what he rides? Um, the picker-upper worked great despite being on a slight slope. Oh, it's a Versus 650. There you go. Mm-hmm. Here's a link to a video of me picking up my Versus 650 in my driveway just to show how it's done. The Versus is not super heavy, but when it's laying flat, and given the fact that I have sporadic back trouble... Listen, darling, who at 62 does not have back trouble? I'm challenged to lift up the first foot so the winch is a lifesaver. I keep it in my toolbox along with a tyre plug kit and a tool roll. Thanks for the podcast. I hope you're done with the atmospheric rivers. JJ from Maryland. <laughs> very nice yeah. um, very nice email, JJ. However, I have a suspicion that Liza's concern is a little more psychological rather than physical. No, but he's got a good point. Uh, that's something a lot of people go through is having a bike that they can no longer pick up and yes there are tools for that they're more commonly used i think in the adventure bike segment because you have big bikes and you're more likely to just drop them Mm -hmm. over and over and if you are alone on like a big trip yeah there are all these different types of jacks i actually looked into them at one point and just realized no i'll just ask jim to pick it up but it it, works it's, (laughs) it's a very very valid thing that your body does change as you age and pursuits that you found easy when you were younger become harder. Mm-hmm. And it often attacks you in tangential ways. One of the reasons that I gave up driving long-distance tour buses is because I can't go for two hours now without having to go for a piss. Mm-hmm. I just can't. And back in my Greyhound days, I could do four or five hours easy. Humpty back camel, they used to call you. Yeah, but that's <laughs> kind of how it is. But as you get older and your body changes, and if you're driving people basically interstate, you can't stop every two hours and take a piece. Are you wearing a diaper yet, Liza? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, um, actually, you want to talk about performance enhancement? I purposely, there are times when we're out riding where I like, make a stop and I have to pee. I'm like, I'm not going to pee. It makes me ride faster. <laughs> that is a performance. <laughs> and on the other side of the coin, 
You know, it's one of, a great performance uh, enhancer would be evacuating your bowels before a ride because you're now like a couple of pounds lighter, yeah, right? Yeah, for me, it, it motivates <laughs> Power me. Power to weight faster. ratio, uh, darling. So, Emma, I didn't tell you the other good news of me um, not having a job is that for our rally coming up in April, I'm going to be there the whole time because I, I was maybe going to have to work. So, if we're going to be there, Jim, you're going to be there mm-hmm. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Thursday. We need to get you on a dirt bike. Riding the trails at Hollister, what do you think about that? I'm I'm more inclined that I think on Thursday we should do a song and dance routine. Yes. I think you're doing one right now to get out of riding a dirt bike. Maybe no, that should I'll, come at the end of the weekend, not no, at the I'll, beginning. I'll ride a dirt bike. I'll ride I know. saw her ride a dirt bike at Mototown the other day. She was oh, I going know that little field. teeny tiny yeah. one. I saw that. No, but I think this is a great opportunity yeah. to get you out on some of those well, trails. Um, what I'm what my plan for the rally is I'll do exactly what I did last year, is I'll put either the Harley or Rufus in the back of King Kong mm-hmm. and drive out there with the camping equipment. Um and I can easily I mean if 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 I can beg steal or borrow a dirt bike I can easily put another bike in the back of King Kong. Because it, it takes three bikes, you know. Mm. And then I'll have something to ride when I'm out there. Jim, are you bringing the TTR? Yeah, I'll bring the 415 TTR. Yeah, so he'll have that. Well, there, there. you are. Well, so, we'll see. We'll play it by, yeah. No, Liza has actually seen me ride dirt. Well, that's the thing. We did the training, and you've never and I've never it yeah, I know. on the trails. Your 690 is a nice and bike for that. And I was I mean, just thinking, what a great opportunity riding with us. And I'm not even going to be kind of follow, because you don't know the trails. Right. But I'm, so it's a good I'm, opportunity. I'm not going to be a sort of whiny, pouty little bitch and say I didn't enjoy it, because I did. What is that stuck mm-hmm. on your breast, by the way? Oh. Oh, it's my tattoo. Oh. <laughs> oh, look at that. Came out nice. It's a, it's a unicorn. <laughs> so, um, all to say, come join us for the rally. Yeah, it's be fun. shaping up to be a lot of fun. There's going to be street riding, dirt riding, a little bit of everything. Song and dance. Good tacos. Mini bike. Sullivan's going to be there with her little bike. Oh, God. Oh, right on. I know. Now, don't give Sullivan sugar because if you do, she yeah. rides faster. Knock That's will another y- performance. Knock will yell at you and yeah, no. send you very nasty emails. No, he's absolutely right. I mean, um, one shouldn't give a child sugar. But, um, yeah, Sullivan's going to be there on a little bike, and it'll be a lot of fun. And it's going to be a great weekend all round. Yeah. Go to BreakingAwayAdventures.com, BreakingAwayTrips.com. I think it both gets you there to the Miss It's Rally, or you can look for the link in the show notes. And I want to make something clear, because if you look at it and you say, oh, that's a little on the. I think it's what two hundred and fifty bucks. Uh, three fifty for four days, and I think a little less for the three days. This is a fully catered event, and the food is good. <clears throat> so you're talking three meals a day and limited coffee because we run the coffee machines all time. Um, there's going to be something going on everywhere there's going to be classes there's going to be fun it includes everything just bring yourself in your tent it's actually i think it's great value and you know matt knows what he's doing yeah well especially now that like the rain is gone it's gonna be good dirt but also um there's so much good street riding there uh, dual sport riding it's everything this is why 
it's a perfect place. So yeah, I'm getting stoked for that. Um, uh, you can still go to our website, motorcyclesandmisfits.com and yes. order a shirt. Yes. If you're one of our Patreon subscribers, you should have received a message through Patreon to get your shirt for free, The to claim your shirt for free. Bagel, did you get yours? I haven't checked, but I can take a look. Yeah, so I need everyone to go in there if you have not claimed it yet, because I only ordered so many shirts, and when they're gone, they're gone. So... Patreon subscribers, thank you so much. And this is our way of thanking you. You get a free shirt every year. And then for everyone else, if you're interested in getting one of the shirts right now, I'm offering it free shipping. So 25 bucks free shipping. You can go and pre-order the shirt. I'm going to be shipping them in a couple weeks. So motorcyclesandmisfits.com and motorcyclesandmisfits at gmail.com. Send us your emails. What do you want them to tell us about? Their performance upgrades? Yeah. I mean, what they think is worth it. How to go faster. Yeah. How do you go faster? Right. I know what John, Stumpy John does to go faster. Go on. He farts. Well, it's like jet propulsion. Isn't it is. It? He's got a jet built in. The only yeah, thing bit, is, bit is if you mixture. are the if you are the trailing machine, you do get something of an egg smell. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> okay. It's like smells like Hades, <laughs> burning <laughs> sulfur. <laughs> it smells like burning in a tube. <laughs> And, of course, big thanks to everyone uh, who's been supporting us just by listening, um, coming by the garage to visit. Yes. We love visitors. All those those things. Come on down. I think we're ready to get out of here. Oh, we are. All right. So thanks, everyone. This is Liza. Emma, darling, you must give it the beans. (laughs) Make a gym, son. (laughs) Mm, Bagel. And we are out of here. Cool, 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 cool.